Welcome to the No BS Short-Term Rental Podcast, an unfiltered look into the global vacation and short-term rental industry. I'm Mateo Bradford. And I'm John Stokinger. And this is our podcast. We bring the right people to the table at the right time, giving you an inside view and take on the short-term rental industry like no other podcast can. Good morning, Mateo. How are you? Brother, I'm fantastic. How about yourself? I'm good, man. I uh, last week we had we went ahead and did the spring forum, which was we actually I want to speak about that a little bit here. But we'll get into that like briefly. Uh, talk about um, the ups and downs of spring forum. Um, but next week you and I are going to be at SDR Wealth in Nashville. Mm-hmm. So excited about that! Uh, th- today is episode ninety six. I can't believe it. Like crazy, crazy. 100 is right around the corner. We have a great guest uh, for our 100th episode recording tomorrow for that, actually, uh, to go out on our 100th. Really excited about that. But yeah, l- let's talk. I, let's go ahead and introduce the guest. But I do want to pause before we get into too much and talk about um, Spring Forum. Uh, because unfortunately, Verma, I love you. It was it was underwhelming. And I, I'm going to speak no BS on on my thoughts on VRMA Spring Forum. Um, we're not going to pull any punches. All right. But with that said, we have an amazing guest. I'll let you go ahead and introduce Teo. Did you really go into VRMA? Yeah, I have I'm, to. No, I'm excited about our guest. Uh, I want to know about the VRMA. I want to know. Yeah, what, I, I do too. Like right. <laughs> right. So, you know, I, you know, I usually get into these introductions. I'm excited about this one. This one's close to home. This one's family. Someone I have an immense amount of respect and love for in this industry. One of the brightest and most brilliant minds out there. Um, a business leader in the space, an innovator in the space. The uh, one and only Andrea Santos. Welcome to the NoBS podcast. Finally, what took yeah, you so long? Oh man, you know, it's just, this is, this is such a weird time slot for me. So it's always tough for me to book it, but no, I'm really happy that, that we pulled through and I'm happy to be doing this with you guys. I'm really excited to hear about your thoughts on Burma because, you know, so much love there, but I get it. But yeah, thanks for having me guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah. We're, we're excited to have you on on and and learn about your story. Uh, But yeah, let's, I want to quickly talk about VRMA. And so as a a proud member of uh, Verma and a committee member for years, it's continuing to be a committee member, excited to be on, on uh, Teo's and our DEI. Uh, we were a subcommittee, now we actually are a committee, so I'm excited about that. I don't know if it's it's VRMA's fault, but there was nobody there. It was it was hard. Like As a vendor standpoint, I this is going on my seventh year with VRMA. So both Spring Forum back then when I first started, it wasn't Spring Forum. It was it was East and then it was West, I think, but whatever, it still happened in spring. They just call it something different now. This was the worst showing in all the years that I've been there. And there's a lot of things that went into that. And I think number one being uh, COVID had a big problem, you know, and I know like talking about COVID years later, this was booked years ago. And I, from my understanding, uh, yeah. uh, Kansas City was supposed to be an international location during COVID. They had a, threw a bunch of money at it as a deposit. We lost that deposit and we only got in Verma. We, Verma only got some of that money back. And to go ahead and save face and, and save some of that money, they decided to go ahead and said, screw it. 
we'll have a spring forum here. It's the middle of friggin' winter. It's in Kansas City. It's not a vacation destination. I'm hoping it's lesson learned because it was two thirds, maybe four fifths vendors to actual property managers. And of the property managers that were there, I'd say a third of those property managers were actually speaking. So like, as far as the pool for vendors to go ahead and actually make business, it's a lot of fucking money to go ahead and participate in these things. There's so much money thrown at, and I understand it and I get it. And I'm not mad at Verma, but at the same time, every vendor like that, it was like a ghost town. And I'm sorry, I'm putting this out there, Verma, but it's the truth. And I, I think there's a couple of things that are going gonna go right that's gonna save this for them. But if they have another swing and miss, it's a not a good, it's not a good look for Verma. And I'm a proud Verma member. What is going to happen though is International's in Orlando. It's we're gonna knock it out of the park. It's gonna be great. Spring yep. Forum next year is in New Orleans. We're gonna knock it out of the park. It's gonna be great. So that is what's gonna save this. But like it, it, it just can't it can't happen again. Well, I think there's two things around that, right? And yes, so yeah, DEI chair, VRMA member, proud VRMA member, right? Um and someone that's working to help VRMA be better, whether it's DEI, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, expanding the membership base, like all of the things that we know in value VRMA to be and what VRMA can be, like it's going to take the work of everyone, the vendors, the managers to, you know, come in how do you fix a situation like that you get your community involved right like you figure out what to do like i it i think it's more of a, a process thing right because you know you have people who are eager and have great ideas and i think it's coming to a point where vrma recognizes it but it's also you know vrma is its own entity and organization with its own issues right so right it's working, all working, right working through all of those things and just you know again we get to see you know both sides of it but you know and we also actively participate and understand the frustration so like yeah it, it's gonna have to change but i think it is i think you know it's competition you know what does that do right you know rising tides lift all boats right but as my boy david and Gotti says it's not always a good thing like right you gotta, you, you got to be, be a leader. You got to push that. So let's take that and go right into our guest story. Because, uh, uh, you know, unless, unless, we unless don't you have do, something to say. Well, we don't do anything to, basic. <laughs> well, prior to the, the transition, uh, you know, I love Verma. I love going there. I always do Mateo. We go way back at Verma. But it all depends on the location. It so much depends on the location, right? Like the turnout, the success of the event. I think I didn't go to the spring one, obviously, but I did go to the international one in the fall. And amazing. Did you like it? I mean, Vegas is not my favorite. Oh, no, no. Vegas, Vegas is not my favorite place. But Vegas as far as the amount of people there, like, it doesn't yeah, have to be your favorite great. place. It has to be a place that people want to travel to. Exactly. I don't care what time of year it is. Like Kansas City. And I and Kansas City was a cool city. Like like I played some pickleball. Oh. Like I had like, like some weird stuff. Like, it was awesome. Like I had fun there, yeah. but as a vendor and looking at it for as a with my director of sales hat on and looking at it and like and I'm trying to look at ROI, 
Like I, day one, I went in there. I'm like, oh shit, I have to pivot. And it's partnerships all day. That's the only thing I can focus on because of me there the whole day, I might have two deals that are not partnership deals. That's hard when, when you're throwing thousands. So I agree with you, location, location, location. And no matter what time of the year is it leadership on VRMA or any of these organizations should never be going, oh, I think we can get a great deal if we go to Kansas City. Or maybe we're going to get a great deal if we go to like some other Midwest, like Chicago. I think the reason Chicago worked, Spring Forum, and the only reason it worked, it was the first time that everyone was starting to feel comfortable after COVID to travel. And Spring Forum in Chicago actually worked because people are like, screw it, we're going to go, we're going to meet. Like, I can't wait. I haven't seen these people. It was a great time to go to Chicago. It was like. It snowed the day we flew in. Two days later, we're 70 degrees at a Cubs game. Like, yeah. But, but in, on the, in the other circumstances... It was all the best parts of Chicago. It was like right after restaurant week. Like it was well done, right? Like, but it was lucky. I, I still think it was lucky. My, my two point, you're, everything you're saying is like, what was so important about the location, right? And that's really what matters. It's like, what's going on at the location that makes it great? And that analysis has to be really strategically done way before. And, you know, it's just not something you don't just throw a huge event where people are paying thousands of dollars to sponsor, to attend, to showcase at. You don't just say like, well, we'll do it at Kansas City in the spring, right? Because we have a credit there. Right. And I completely disagree with you, John. Chicago is going to win every time, unless you're doing it in the winter. Chicago spring (laughs) through fall. You're going to win. Yeah, well, all day long. true. But it was also April. Right. Like, it was actually, I agree. I, it was, it, it, it was right this, time. It was right time. It I agree. Was, it was, it was circumstance. I'll give you the COVID bump. I will. I'll, I'll give you the COVID bump. I'll give you that because that's true. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Give that to me. Chicago is Chicago is for the win as long as it's not winter time. Well, and the interesting thing, and, and I do want to get to our guests. The interesting thing about this, too, is like, they book these years ahead. They know where they're going in like 2026. Like they already know, like yeah. they know where we're going because like, it, it, it takes a lot of time. And there's lots of, you know, this is not an easy thing. Yeah. I don't know. To, I need to, them. I need them to put it. I need, I need them to do it international in Montreal. So I can go. <laughs> I haven't been. You know what? Fall in Montreal is the best time to be there. More. I mean, summer is a shit show. It's good yeah. fun. It's a shit show. Um, but the fall in Montreal is beautiful. You have the changing of the leaves and like everybody just gets into cozy vibes and you rent chalets and you go, you know, it's just. The- I'm a New England boy. So I grew up uh, in New England. I was born in Maine, high school in Vermont. I'm. Uh, yeah, you get it. Familiar, familiar with the. the Dude, let me like they convinced me to go to want to go there in the wintertime. Because of like, <laughs> Mateo doesn't do good in cold. <laughs> if I, I, I if I'm properly attired, I'm fine. Right, if I'm properly attired. So, I, speaking of Montreal, I can we talk about maritime law real quick? Like, how, oh, how yeah. did you get into this space? Like, oh, where, yeah. that this, you know, everyone that comes on the show. We, we want to highlight their journey and just talk to how they got here, because I don't think, you know, we've yet to meet the person who came up here and was like, vacation rentals has been my life. Oh. Uh, you know, I'm just living my day. I, we know a lot of we see a lot of people living their dreams, doing amazing things. But no one was like, yo, I just all day long. 
Well, you know, vacation rentals may not be, but vacations are a lifetime goal. So yeah. <laughs> let's put it that way. And yeah, man, maritime law. Okay, so the the backstory. The backstory is um, I really wanted to get into shipping. So I have a family history in shipping. And uh, I really wanted to do that. I went to school in England, uh, Southampton University, same as sort of as uh, Paul. Um, you guys know SCR. Yep. And uh you know, studied out there. Unfortunately, I graduated during the crash, uh, 2009. So, yes. you know, while I saw like this prosperous legal career in the UK, I was like, the UK is kind of going under right now. Time to go back to Canada where mm-hmm. there was no, you know, like, crash whatsoever. So went back to Canada, obviously, you know, with my UK law degree didn't translate to the French uh, way. And so I had to, uh, so I went to Air Canada, started there as a paralegal. And I remember them telling me, you're overqualified for this. Why do you want to do this? And I'm like, well, aren't you lucky? You know? <laughs> and then they said like, well, you're hired then. <laughs> and so, so I did. And then I, I love that attitude, by the way. You completed your law studies. You were a lawyer, you were a lawyer right? So yeah. 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 So, you know, but at the same time, like it's a whole thing, right? Common yeah. law and civil code in, in Quebec. Quebec is a very strange. I'm from Montreal, right? So mm-hmm. Quebec is French and, and civil code and whatever. So, um, so yes, yeah, so and I worked at Air Canada for, you know, about four years in their legal department. And I really did it, touched on everything there from employment law to cargo to commercial law, marketing. I really touched everything, more aircraft mortgages, aircraft remortgaging, like launching their low cost carrier, doing the uniforms. Like it was, I did, I really touched on everything. It was an amazing experience. And then on top of it, you know, our head office was near the airport. And so literally every Friday you show up with your suitcase and you just go to the airport and hop on a flight. And so, you know, I go back to England on the weekends. I go back to, it was such a great time for me. It was so, so, so great. Um, what was really hard was just realizing that, you know, you're 20, whatever it was, six, whatever, five, six or whatever I was. And uh, and I was like, can't I, I've been here for four years. Like, what am I going to like keep this up? You know, am I staying here? This is a you know different thing that I imagined. So um, so I left. I went into real estate, uh, which worked for mm-hmm. a private real estate firm. And there I had great exposure to the whole real estate acquisition transactions leasing and it was largely retail but I touched retail commercial and uh, residential as well and this was just around you know like probably 2013 14 and then around there and uh Your LinkedIn says 2013 to 2015 just you know I'm, I'm here for you <laughs> thank you thank you for just holding me to that so yeah so then I was there for a while and uh and I loved it, but, you know, I needed something creative to do, like sitting down at a desk and drafting terms and conditions all day. It's just not who I am. You know, it's just not who I am. And it wasn't maritime law. I love maritime law. I love shipping. I love everything in that industry. But, you know, who said, who says that? But who says that? You're the first like, person to come from that world to know, like in maritime law is like gangster beyond belief. It really is. It's it's crazy. If you've ever yeah. been exposed to it, like I understand the fascination from it. Right. It's international. Yeah, it um, you know, you're dealing with claims. And it's logistics. It's yeah. logistics. But it's like bulk logistics. You're talking about, you know, ships that are going under that have salvage, you know, whatever claims. And, you know, it's 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 wild. It's just cowboys and Indians. And it's it's wild. It's really, really, really fun. I love it. I absolutely love it, and especially law, you know, because there's very few 
legal practices that you can do that are really international, right? When you're a lawyer, you're kind of really stuck to where you've written the bar, where you're, you know, where you're qualified. So, so this was really a way for me to continue traveling because I've always been obsessed with traveling. So yeah, so, you know, I was in real estate and I was like, okay, this is cool. Love this. You know, I remember being given a $10 million check to go buy a building. And I was like in a taxi holding this $10 million check. And I was like, what are my options right now? <laughs> and sure enough, like, you know what my options were? I was like, I don't want to, I want this check to have my name on it, right? I want my check, I want this check to have my name on it one day. So I was like, I'm never going to do that working for someone else. And, you know, but it's not like I really knew what it was, but I was always entrepreneurial at heart. My, my dad, you know, had started a business from our basement and then grew it to like a multinational. So I had seen it go from like, from a, go from zero to a hundred and then back down and then, you know, whatever. Wow. So I was always very entrepreneurial. And so I started basically full house squatting in one of our offices uh, that we managed at the real estate firm. And I was just like, listen, I told my boss, listen, I'm going to start this side gig. Like, don't mind me, you know? <laughs> so, you know, we were like, <laughs> we're like, house it was available with like such a great name uh the name is um it's based on buckminster fuller who is the architect who's designed many many things and you guys can look him up he's a you know huge hero in architecture and he had a specific tie to montreal because he built this thing called the geodesic dome in montreal which is this giant um dome on an island and um and you know so and and then the house part of full house is Bauhaus. So everything is kind of a nod to Montreal. It's nod to the 60s and 70s, the heyday of design, the, the sort of the design era that really built that city. And that is so unique in North America. When you go there, you'll notice that it's you won't have that same architecture anywhere else. I mean, certain places, yes, of course. But it's just this really clash of like, you know, um, historic, you know, architecture and then also you know this really art deco and uh mid-century it has a bohemian feel in a in an interesting yeah way. yeah i can't wait to go because i feel like it, i feel like it has the class and sophistication of an old europe city with kind of new 100%. world appeal like that and that's from looking at it from the other side of the fence now i really now i really gotta go yeah yeah exactly so yeah. you, you naturally fall in love with design of this city, right? And so Full House has always kind of been a nod to like the architecture and design of, of that city. And so, you know, we started out really just um, buying vintage designer products, like designer, um, you know, home decor products, right? And online. So like vintage jeans, loungers, and like all of that stuff, sort of refinishing it and selling it online it really picked up, right? So it picked up so much that a company um, back in, gosh, 2000, I guess this was 15, 16, called Flatbook uh, reached out and asked us to help them sort of get their units up and running, right? Mm -hmm. So we did, and then they were scaling. This was like on the heels of Airbnb, right? So like, it's right as Airbnb is taking off and like people are starting to get into this, like, oh, I can rent a place and, you know, rent it out online short term. And guess what? Everybody needs furniture, right? So we were just there at that critical time. And then we were really like, you know, this um, authentically Montreal sort of design shop. And it was just a natural fit for us to kind of, you know, grow in that space. Yeah. So so it was actually an interesting story because the way that I met Flatbook, which today you probably know as Sonder, I was actually going there for a job interview to be their real estate, head of real estate, I don't know, something real estate. 
And, uh, and my partner at the time was like, do you really want another nine to five? Like you're leaving one. Do you really want another nine to five? We have this thing. It's maybe working. Let's see how it goes. Mm-hmm. So I go to them and I was like, listen, I respectfully decline the position, but would you like to hire us to design your spaces? And they're like, amazing. Take us like, we have a unit upstairs. You want to come and see it. Can you do this? And that's how that whole momentum started with, um, with them. And you know, sure enough, word of mouth gets around and we start helping other sort of property managers and vacation rental managers expand and helping them scale their properties. And, uh, and we, you know, I, I really, with my business mind on, I, I kind of realized, Hey, there's a model here, but you know, it's not vintage <laughs> because we couldn't keep going around in a U-Haul and finding vintage products, but there's a model here to get these places furnished where the owner or manager doesn't live where the, you know, where their units are and they need to have them furnished remotely. So how do, who can they trust to do that? And so that's basically what we said we would do. It's like, let's get people up and running, you know, no matter where they are and that they can trust us to get it fully done and fully outfitted, ready to rent. So logistics. 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 (laughs) Do you think that the, your client, your clientele, you started off with, you know, a flat, what do you call flat book, flat, um, which is Sonder. Are your clientele, do you think it's more of the short term real side or are you diving into that corporate housing, um, like multifamily lease arbitrage? I mean, obviously we know with like at least it was the lease arbitrage kind of kind of thing. Do, are they more of uh, you're going in and like we have 10 of these and they're all the same. We want you to go ahead and, and take care of them. You know what? We're doing everything. It's any furnished real estate. I really believe that the industry is moving furnished, right? I mean, not everything, not everything will ever be fully furnished, but I think that North America is coming to the realization and landlords and and property owners are coming to the realization that if they furnish their real estate, they get better return. And, you know, they also are, are less bound by certain tenancy regulation laws and terms, right? So, it feels like the the industry and and real estate is really catching up to this furnished real estate world. Uh, whether it's you know short term or mid term or long term, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's something that's been happening. Obviously, in Europe, they've been doing furnished real estate for a really long time, right? You go to London, you can get a furnished flat, no problem. But um, it, here, it's just never really been the case. And unlike some other sort of furnishing partners and furnishing companies. I don't believe that the tenant should be the one to furnish their real estate. You know, if you don't own it, why are you buying the furniture? I just don't think that really makes sense, right? And so I think that landlords and and property owners, managers really have to get on board with like, if you want somebody to live there, furnish it, you know, at any term. I think it just makes a lot of sense that way. Unless it's truly like a a long-term lease, um, you know, I, I really think that you know, I don't own furniture, like we we're saying on the break. I don't live somewhere permanently. I move around a lot. I rent up furnished real estate. I'm here for six months. I'm at the next place for three. I'm, you know, so I really think that more and more people are doing that. And, uh, and you know, real estate kind of has to cater to it. So we can call it what you want, short-term, mid-term, long-term, student housing, corporate housing, blah, blah, blah. Those are just the demographics that you cater to. I think it's just furnished real estate. Interesting. I, I love it. Everyone's in the AI thing, right? Yeah. Guys are using AI. And, and, and so, like, let's talk about how we're getting here. 
and what this is going to do. Um, how is how is AI changing this aspect of the business? Because I think you know one of the things you know that is going to be interesting with this technology is how it interprets and how it works in creative spaces, right? Yeah. Like in how it takes data and you know starts getting into matters of taste and, and styles and colors and things. And can it look at a color and be like, that might be overly sensitive for somebody. Oh, right. Yeah. Like it's, I got questions. So yeah. but like, uh, talk about how this is uh, kind of changing the space and, and, and how you're using it in your business. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, we've, we're really excited to do this. I think again, you know, business hat on, I, I, I was not an interior designer. I love design. I, I have a passion for it. I think everybody loves good design, right? Anywhere you go, you really appreciate it. You hope it. they at least appreciate it, right? Like, right? So, right. so if if I can do anything, it's really just create good design wherever we go, right? So, but one thing is really difficult that I realized in like furnishing these places that you have to shop through so many different suppliers to get to that result, right? Yeah. So how many different suppliers does it take to furnish a home or a unit or whatever it is, right? So you're talking about at least 10, 20 minimum, minimum, right? And, you know, no no two units are the same. I mean, that's not true. Sometimes they are, but, you know, generally there's always a little bit of change, whether it's the artwork or the cushions, right? And managing all of that, trying to source it all, trying to figure out like, you know, how to map this all out is really, really, really time consuming, difficult. And then put that against like, stock levels, timelines, deliverables, uh, budget, right? And then still cohesiveness. Does it look good, right? Uh, all of these different data points, right? They're, they're effectively data points, right? So how do we facilitate this procurement process? Because I had, we have designers that are just spending like hours and days to produce one unit, yeah. right? And, and it matters because it has to be good design. But I was like, how do we get them what they're looking for faster, or at least get to like 80% there that like a designer can at least do the extra 20, right? And mm -hmm. refine it and not go through 300 suppliers because we have 300 suppliers, right? So um, so we built an AI that we call Ludwig. Um, and Ludwig effectively goes from your Pinterest board to a resembling furniture package that you can buy in one button. So okay. yeah. So you upload any image, anything under the sun, and it'll understand the design, the colors, it'll look for similar products, and then filter through our database of products and, and suppliers and our, our network, our marketplace, and present to you yeah. a set of products that you can buy and, and all purchasable in one spot. So you don't have to go through like, you know, wherever five different retailers to buy each item. I mean, that is that's kind of dope. Yeah. Play yeah. With that. Now you're going to make me put a Pinterest board together. I want to see and see what you come up with. See? Yeah. I mean, like you can upload anything. Like I think my favorite thing is to show is like uploading a flamingo and kind of showing like it'll understand the color scheme. It'll understand the legs. So the legs on the furniture has got a similar like wiry sort of frame to it. And it's just a really interesting use case for, for, you know, this industry in particular, right? Because mm -hmm. All of our clients always come to us with an idea of what they want their space to look like or feel like, right? Even when they say they don't and they're like, you do it, then we do it. And they're like, well, I was thinking like this, you know? So we're just like, how do we interpret this better? Because, 
you know, a designer will sort of take on their own interpretation of an image. And then the client also fills that interpretation or, or that image with like all this other, you know, language. They're like, I want it to look like this, but traditional. And we're like, what does right. traditional mean? Right. Like what, what is, what is contemporary to you or me? Right. So I think that the language around design is actually, it's not consistent. Right. So it's really hard to talk about it. And then the best reference that you have is an image. So the best thing that you can go off of is like, how do I make your design look like this or feel like this image? And that's what we've done. And it's really pretty good. And I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm really shocked. But we have been at it for like, you know, almost three years now trying to build this out. And, and, you know, we have an amazing team of machine learners, machine learning engineers and, uh, you know, developers. And this is actually all launching. So you guys, great timing. This is all launching in about two weeks. Oh, we love so, it. Yeah. Love it. You heard it here first. We love that. Uh, and yeah. I think that's, and I think it's dope. So you, you take this and this springboards you cause it definitely cuts your time frame down, right? It makes you more efficient, right? It helps you get to yes quicker, right? Like it helps you get to that from that vision in your head to yeah. a workable space in a faster time. I, yeah. I love it. logistics. Yeah. Logistics. Exactly. It's all logistics. It's true. It's all, it's all logistics. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, is like users will be able to go online and do this, you know, themselves. So you won't need to hire a designer. You know, you can always upgrade. You can always get a designer to do this for you. I mean, it's also available to designers, but I think now designers just- are going to be super niche, right? Like, so now it's because that's the one thing, right? Like with ever with the creative arts, it's as unique as a fingerprint, right? Like everyone's is different. Like, even if it looks the same, you know, there's always a unique point that someone will have or see differently. So we see it with, uh, we see it with chat GPT, right? And it's all these, yeah. you know, they're like, Hey, we got chat GPT and it can do all this work, but it just, it waters down everything. And it's just cookie cutter. Whereas, you know, put, say you're a writer or you're a content creator and you're putting your stuff out there, like, you know, you not using that, that's your differentiator. That's what's keeping you fresh and keeping you in front of everybody. And it's interesting. I, I love it. Until yeah. it can do stand up comedy. I'm not scared. Like it's like, and it may be able to, like, it might put out some funny shit. Like, I'm actually going to go do that. I'm going to ask it to write a stand-up comedy script and see how horrible it comes out. Like, see what the jokes are like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I was talking to somebody and I was like, isn't it interesting that the first thing, and not the first thing, but the most public thing that we've been using AI for is all of the creative art and work. Yeah. Like. Or the we, work that people don't want to do, right? The queer house the, cleaning robot. <laughs> like, where's my, where's that? I I need that. I don't need somebody to write me a novel. <laughs> I need like. And the yeah. novel you get that it writes is shit. You know, yeah. it's not that good. It's like it's okay. It's got some bones, but it's just that's about it. And they're, it's interesting. I agree with you. Yeah, where where where's the one that wants to do the mundane tasks? These things that you're just ugh, like. But isn't that what isn't that what people are using it for? But, but to get lackluster <laughs> results, I think. I think. Well, I, I'm not saying they're using it correctly, right? Because again, if you're using it correctly, it's giving you a baseline to work around and work off of, right? Like it, it's supposed to do the part that you can just come in and polish and run with. It's not, but as with everything, people just want the one. People just want the one pill solution, right? So they'll just be like, 
type me a, a review letter to this guest and they won't even read through it. They'll just put the name in it. And it says like some crazy shit at the bottom. They're like, you didn't even read it. <laughs> Have you guys heard of a lot of sort of hosts and other people in the industry using chat GPT for this, for reviews and, and other tools? I, it, yeah, it's starting to, it's starting to yeah. come out and it's starting to feed like, and it's hard and you can, uh, you know, it's like just getting seated, you know what it is like. And I think that's where, you know, and, and I hate regulations. Like I'm not a big regulations. Guy. I don't want like a bunch of like, like laws going back to your, your lawyer stuff here. Like, I don't want that, but at the same time, like there's, there needs to be some sort of standards and guidelines of what is acceptable and what is not acceptable then maybe it's just like, hey, we know these companies do it the right way. And we know these companies are doing it the wrong way. But yeah, it's interesting. I, I think the only place you're going to be able to police it is academia, right? Like, because that's the that's the biggest thing. I, I can't imagine if this was out. Like when we were in school, nobody would. Like, it would have been insane. Like, I had to write exams. Like I had to memorize books, like cases. Yeah. I had to memorize this stuff and then write it by hand. Like you're at the end of your exams, you're in so much pain. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not a but the, but the other part of this too is like it, we had the fact. Like remember when the internet first came out, like and everyone was like like that whole generation that first came out on the internet didn't have they didn't have to fact check. Like they were just oh yeah this said this and it was like okay well it was on the yeah. internet when when we had to write reports with bibliography in, in as like in in a style you had those quote sources like you couldn't yeah. just put out this information like now you can just you know i i'm barack obama right like or something crazy like that and now like who's gonna fact check it like it's crazy i don't know i i i, I agree to, with the regulations but it's interesting. So I, I'm a Gen Xer, right? The like the only and Mateo, so are you. And I uh, the interesting thing about what's that? I think I'm a millennial. Is that yeah, I think you're a millennial. You, you're younger, it goes Gen X and millennial. But Gen X is the only the only generation that that truly started without internet, without tech, and now has gone into tech right at the beginning and is still it's still kind of staying in the forefront of it. Like, like millennials came into it with, with tech. Yeah. And so like, we know what it was like before and we know what it's like now. And, but we still have to stay up in with the times with the kids, <laughs> the, 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 the millennials and the Gen Z's. And like, like, I still have to stay current with like, my kids are Gen Z's. Can oh, you advertise on TikTok? Got to know what's hot in the streets, John. Um, do I advertise on TikTok? Um, no, but you I haven't do. Seen John's I, TikTok account? But I, but I do. <laughs> I have it. Uh, I do. I'm putting reels out on Instagram and stories, I guess, on Facebook. It's all the same thing. Um, probably should. I know. I know. It's like we're trying to get into it as well, and it's like we're also, you know, we're also like in this realm of like, is it really useful for? what we do right is it really catering but honestly like I, I mean outside of like the regulation that we might be seeing in the next little while around it you know i i really do think it's got a different format that you know everybody kind of has to get on board with there's i you agree know, did a presentation at vermin international all about the tiktok generation with a couple of good friends of mine uh colleagues and uh it was actually pretty good i gotta give yes. you credit it was good i actually enjoyed that you uh good great Group presentation. You had a good team. <laughs>
hey, thank you so much. This has been great. Like, I'm really excited to to see where this goes for you. I'm excited. Like, we're like, it it, it just makes so much sense. And like, I think your growth is just wait. If someone wants to go ahead and use your services, how you know how? What's their first step, and how should they go ahead and get a hold of you? And your I mean, first things first, go to the website fullhouse.com, and that's f u l h a u s dot com. We'll put a link in the comments too. And um, and just contact us through there. Um, but in the next couple of weeks, you'll be seeing this platform go live, and so you'll be able to try it out for yourself and tell me what you think. Hey, Love it's it. gonna be Bungie AF, right? So like, please don't hold me to this like amazing technology. It is cool. It's super what we're cool. There for. But it's, it's cool. starter. It's very starter. So so yeah, we're, we're down for buggy as fuck. Yeah, yeah. So let's and just, we won't and we won't yeah. bullshit you. So we'll let you know no, about. Bullshit. We'll yeah. let you know. So, but look, it's family. Like we'll be nice. Hey, you know, constructive, nice constructive. Hey, we just put out our a the first of its kind uh, murder mystery podcast that takes place in a short-term rental world and it went live today. So we're all about first buggy. Awesome. Like, so yeah. we're all about that. We're all about you. Hey, thank you so much. We're excited. If you like the podcast, make sure you go ahead and like us. Make sure you leave a review. Um, whether you're listening on Apple, you're listening on Spotify, you're listening on our website, or you're watching and listening on YouTube, leave a review. Let us know that you know what you think. And uh, thanks so much. I had a blast having you on today. It was great. Thank you guys so much for having me. Looking forward to seeing you guys at Verma. Absolutely, <laughs> me too. Go check out Derailed. This podcast is a Hospitality.fm production.